Okay, so we're learning Dav Chav Dalet, and we're starting right at the top. The Mishnah asked, we're discussing the questions that Basin asked the, new, the, the witnesses who claimed that they saw the new moon. So there's an interrogation, right? We investigate. Did you really see it? How, t- how tall was it? So on and so forth. So the bride saw, you know, it just says which way is it pointing and this and that. So what we want to understand is where it is vis-a-vis the moon. So yesterday we discussed how it's always trailing the moon just a little bit. So the Gemara today starts off with a new point. Tanakha, the one bride says, let's photo of Kayaman. Let's say he says that I saw the new moon to the sun's north. So it's a valid testimony. Ladroma, but if he says that he saw it to the, to the, moon, to the sun's south, then no Amar He hasn't said anything. So <clears throat> he better say that he saw it to the sun's north. Mark says, what are you talking about? It says in another bride, it says just the opposite. It says in a bride, it's differently. He says, if he saw the new moon to the sun's south, then the testimony is good. But if, he said he saw, he, but if the witness claims that he saw it to the sun's north, he has said nothing. It's the opposite. Which one is it? Is he supposed to be seeing it to the north or is he supposed to be seeing it to the south? So the Gemara answer is lokasha. It's not a question. The first price was talking about the summer. The second price was talking about the winter. So, how do we understand? Um, how do we understand this? Like, what's the how do, how, what's the difference between the summer between the summer and the winter? So, basically, it seems to be. I think we spoke about this yesterday. How when it goes, uh, the sun rises in the east and goes to the west. That's one thing we know. Rises in the east and rises and goes to the west and rises. But it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. We spoke about yesterday how it's always arching towards the south. It's actually during the, while it's going up and up and up toward, until noontime, until its highest peak, it's actually going further south, at least in the northern hemisphere. And then as it's setting in the western horizon, it's move, always moving toward the north. That's what we spoke about yesterday. But there's another point today, which we have to think about, is that the sun is not starting right like mid, right in the middle point of the eastern horizon and setting right in the midpoint of the western horizon. It doesn't work that simply. That actually happens at the equinox type of times. But uh, most of the time, that's not happening like that. And... The point is that, that every single time, as the days are beginning to shorter, they're beginning to get shorter and shorter, the sun is progressively just getting further and further south. So on the shortest day of the year, like when you're talking right around the, the winter equinox, when it's the shortest, so what's going to happen is that the sun is actually really rising at its further point in the southeast and going as far south as it ever will go, reaching as far south. That's why it's cold when you're in the northern hemisphere, I think. And then it's, uh, and then it's, it's going back towards the north in the, after, in, the, in the afternoon a little bit. But in the, in the summer, even though it's also, what's interesting is that it's also always making that going to the south and coming back to the north. It's always arching that way. But in the north, it's starting out in the furthest, in really in the northern part of the, of the eastern hemisphere, starting all the way to the north, coming back on that. So the Gemara's point is that we know that the north is always setting. You could say it like this. I'm sorry, the sun is always setting at different points in the eastern horizon. Let's just simplify it for that. After whatever, all the complications, summer and winter, it's not always a given point on the eastern horizon where it is setting. In the equinox, it's setting in the middle. In the summertime, it's setting in the northwest. And in the uh, wintertime, it's setting in the southwest. That's the basic point that we have to, we have to understand. Now, there's another point. And this is where Rashi seems very difficult, but Rashi seems to learn that the moon doesn't concern itself with all this. The moon just always seems to set somewhere in the southwest. So as hard as that is to accept, it seems that science doesn't agree with Rashi. But Rashi seems to have a pretty set thing that the moon is always setting in the southwest. So are you going to see it when it's setting? Right, that's the point. You're always going to see the moon uh, closer to the time of, sun, of sunset when you're able to, you know, finally be able to see it. It's not overpowered by the, moon, by, the, by the sun. So is it going to be to the north or the south? Well, it's going to be, it depends where the sun is, right? In the summertime, where the sun is all the way up in the north and it's setting in the northwest, well, then clearly the, the moon is going to be to its south. 
Whereas in the in the very winter time, where the where the sun is setting all the way in the in the bottom of the southwest, well then at that time you're going to see the moon towards its north. That's the way the Rashi seems to learn the Gemara. Science doesn't really seem to agree with exactly a lot of these points, but that's the way Rashi learned it. So the bottom line is is that he's saying he had a visibility of the, of, of of the moon where he sees it. It seems that it's a constant that it's somewhere in the south, but but closer to the middle of the south in the southwest of the sky. Um, and the question is, is that going to be to the north or the south of the moon? And we're saying that depends on what the season is. It depends where the sun is setting. If the sun is setting all the way in the north, like in the summer, then you're going to see it to the south. If the sun is setting all the way in the, in the, um, in the, if the sun is setting all the way in the north in the summer, you're going to see it to the south. But if the sun is setting all the way in the south, like in the winter, then you're going to see it to its north. All right. Quickly moving on from that point. Says the Gemara, we see in a Brisa. We spoke about the height, the height of the moon. Because again, it's interesting. Usually you're seeing it closer to the time of when it's setting. That's usually the way it is. That's like the, the earliest visibility. So, one person says it was two mardo's high. No, mardea. Mardea is like there was a long stick that they used to like prod the animal with. So that was like a size. It was like saying like a, a ruler size, you know, like a standard size. But that, that would used to have like these sticks that they would prod the animals with. So if one guy, one witness says it was two goats high above the horizon. Another one says it was three goats high above the horizon when I saw it. So the question is, are, is does that combine? And the purpose of combination is that we have to be seeing the same thing. So if one is claiming that it wasn't visible at that height, it was only visible when it was two. And the other one is saying, no, it was visible when it was at three. So the question is, could we, is, it, is there valid? Could it, it seems to be close enough, but there is a discrepancy. So the Gemara is saying that it is valid. It isn't Kayam. So why is it Kayam? Because, you know, we're not perfect. We're not sitting here measuring, right? So they're, they're estimating in their minds, in their eyes, what did I see? So one guy said I saw two goats high. One guy said I saw three goats high. It's not a great enough disparity that we're going to say, okay, something's off. They're obviously not seeing, that one of them is not saying the truth. It's not like that. Whereas, if one said three and one said five, at that point, Edus and Patela. The Edus is, 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 is gone. Why? Because it's too big of a discrepancy. We can't say it's you know, just a different subjective perception that they have. We have to say that there's a contradiction. And one of them actually is a false witness. We don't know who it is. And that's a very interesting claim that it's a false witness. It's also interesting that we don't say maybe it was possible to see both, right? Because the point is, I guess they're saying they saw it together. That's also the key. They say, you know, we saw it. Oh, then we take them apart and we say, how high was it? One guy says it was five goats. One guy says it was three goats. What's going on? Which one of you is lying? But it can't be both five and three. It's too big of a discrepancy. So three and two, we could say, oh, they saw it at the same point. It was somewhere in the middle. And one called it three, one called it two. But here, for one to call five, one called three. So one of them is a liar. So we can't be Mikhail Shachodesh based upon such testimony. But so this is actually a fascinating line in the Gemara. They could combine with different witnesses for a different testimony, meaning it seems like at face value what the Gemara is saying is that even though in front of us, one of the two witnesses is a liar, right? No way. They have no way around that. They both claim they saw it together. One saying it was three, one was saying it's five. So you can't err by such a big thing. So one guy is making is just lying. But we're still saying that, that if there's a third witness, then one then, then, then that's saying either five or three, then I have two witnesses and there's valid testimony. So that's a fascinating thing, right? Why is that so fascinating? Because but maybe one of them was a liar, right? So you could say, but if another witness is saying five, right? So the other one who said five, probably he's telling the truth. And what does that mean? The guy who said three taco is just, that's it. He's a liar. Throw him out of court. Is that the way? In other words, it says that they, they could combine with another witness for a different testimony. So does the Gemara mean that if there would be a third witness who would say either five or three, then we'll, he corroborates the story of the one who said five or three, whichever one he said. Let's say he said five. So he he's together with the team of the one guy who said five. And the guy who said three, we, you know, we chuck that guy, send him flying, but we have two guys who said five. So we're good. And what we talk and think that the person who said three is, you know, mom is not a good guy. 
Or is it not like that? And this is really a big dispute in Masech HaShavuot. What happens when there's a contradiction in two, in two witnesses? So one of them is lying. We don't know what's going on. How do we perceive them in the future in court? Do we say that they have a cheskas kashras? We don't know that they were lying. You know, it wasn't proven that they were a liar. It's just that there was contradiction in the testimony, but their cheskas kashras is still good. We would accept them tomorrow in court. Or do we not accept them tomorrow in court? And this line in the Gemara, it really depends how you understand what it's saying. Mitzdar for late the If you understand that both of these witnesses are good for the future, then it's saying that. But maybe it's not saying that. Maybe all the Gemara is saying is that the one which, whose testimony is is in agreement with the third witness, we could combine, and now we'll be good. But it's not necessarily saying that the one, the lone witness who's standing alone, one against two, he's a good, no, we actually really believe this guy's a liar. At this point, just throw him out. We don't want this guy anymore. So that's an interesting question. Um, it seems that the lack of tziruf is because there's no way, there's truth to what you both said. So. It's hard because it seems that contradiction here means a lie. In other words, if you could say three and two where we just, you know, it's basically as long as we don't see it as a lie, as long as we could say you saw the same thing, just you're scribing it differently, we'll be with Starfit. So the, the discrepancy between three and five, it just seems like, if you can, if, as long as they're claiming they saw it together and then they're describing different heights, it seems that the inaccuracy here is that we actually think something's off. So I don't know. It's a tough, tough thing. All right. Continues the Gemara. New point. Let's say the witnesses, they didn't see it so clear, but they saw a reflection of the moon. They saw it reflected in the water, reading about Shijas, through a lantern. You ever see it in a lantern? You ever see it like that? <coughs> you see a candle's reflection in a lantern? We saw it through clouds. In all these cases, the point is, is that it's not so clear. So, they cannot be used to testify. Let's say they said, we only saw half of it in the water. That's what mine, half through the clouds, that's what she should have through the lantern, even need to love. We can't testify. So the Gemara tries to understand what's the point of the second half of the Brisa. Because Hashta, Kulo, Amrit, Lo, the first part of the Brisa said, even if you saw the whole moon, but since you saw the whole moon in reflection, it's not good enough. You have to see, the, you have to see it directly. Is it necessary for the Brisa to say in the second half that even if you, that if you saw half of the moon reflected, it's no good? If even when I saw the whole moon reflected, it's no good. Koshikin, if all I saw was half of the moon and it's reflected, then it's no good. This is what the second half of the Bryce is saying. Half of it we saw reflected, and half of it we saw clearly. Or, half of it through the clouds, half through the, through the sky. Half through the lantern, half through the sky. We still cannot testify about it. So we're saying that you have to see the entire crescent clearly. That's what the novelty of the second half of the Bryce is. So even if you see part of it very clearly, and you see only half, the other half of it, in the reflection, that's also not acceptable. You have to see the whole crescent, the whole part, what's visible, has to be seen clearly. Says the Gemara and other brides, they say we saw it, but then we looked again and we didn't see it. We cannot testify. Correct the Gemara, why not? I mean, you only have to see it once. You have to continue, continue to see it forever? Like, once you saw it, you saw it. What's shot in the Bryce? The Bryce is saying if they say they saw it and then they looked and they couldn't see it again, it's no good. Why not? Once they saw it for a moment, that's good. We saw it on our own. What does that mean, we saw it on our own? Meaning it was like a very incidental way of seeing it. They weren't concentrating. They weren't noticing it. They weren't taking notice of the moon. They just... It came, it chanced upon them incidentally. And then we came back to concentrate on it. And then we weren't able to see it. They cannot testify. I could say the first time was just some crescent of a white cloud. Maybe the glimpse that you saw was a white cloud and not really the moon. So if you're concentrating, and this is really the idea, what does it mean concentration? That you have das, that you're going you're gonna to look and because of your looking, you're going to go tell the court. That's the point. That's what's required to have that, you know, focus. 
uh, on your on your on your side because otherwise we'll say you know you see things you're catching glimpses you don't really know you're not you're not concentrating well enough to think to take in really what you're seeing you may have been a white cloud and it's no good so fascinating halacha a person witnesses half catches be oh we we thought we saw it they had to have been concentrating before they saw it to assume that it really was the moon. Now we talk about we go to talk to Mishnah the procedure how basin is makadish the the month. Onen rosh basin omer makadish. Head of the basin says after they accept the, te- the witnesses everything's good. <coughs> so he uses the word mikudish. The month is sanctified. And then there's like, you know, a response from the people around. They say, Mikudish, Mikudish. When do we say this? Whether it was seen at its right time, meaning if it was seen on the night of the 30th day of the, of the previous, right, in the previous month. So in other words, we're being Mikudish, day 30 of the new month, whether that's what's happening. Or it wasn't seen on the right time. So it wasn't seen on day 30. So it's going to be Rosh Chodesh on day 31 in any case. Whether or not it's day 30 or day 31, so we still do this procedure. The head of the basin says Mikudish, and the people respond Mikudish, Mikudish. In other words, even though day 31 anyways has to be Rosh Chodesh, even without basin declaring it, but the Tanakhama holds that they still declare the process of going through Mikudish, Mikudish, on day 31 as well. If it wasn't seen in the right time, meaning if it's not day 30, it's already day 31, where it's, where it's inevitably, inevitably going to be Rosh Chodesh, so we don't go through the process of sanctifying it. And Shemaim, they've already been Mekadosh. What does that mean? That Hashem is waiting for the basin below to be Mekadosh Chodesh. Right? It's all in human control. If we're Mekadosh day 30, HaKadosh Baruch Hu validates it. Okay, that's the date. But if we don't, then it's day 31. Hashem is no longer waiting for us. In Shemaim, when is the right day of Rosh Chodesh? It's already determined as soon as it's day 31. If we didn't do anything on day 30, that inevitability, inevit- inevitability just says that that is going to be Rosh Chodesh. There's no, there's no chance, there's no, there's no way for it not to be. So therefore, there's no din of saying Mekodesh, Mekodesh. Now, I just want to point out a very an important point because it's something that we've touched upon here is that just because you might go like this opinion that you don't say Mekodesh, that doesn't mean Basin does, it doesn't Mekodesh, it doesn't Mekodesh Chodesh, meaning... Let's say day 30 passes and, 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 and no witnesses came, right? That doesn't mean, okay, it's just Israel's Chodesh, close up court for the day. It's not, that's not true. Rabbi Lazar of Tzaduk is only speaking about the din to say Mekodesh, Mekodesh. But the, the, the process of accepting the witnesses and corroborating what they saw, this and that, that is still done, even like Rabbi Lazar of Tzaduk, on day 31. It means there's two dinim. There's a din of basin functioning in the system of being makabal edos, and then there's what our mission is focusing on is specifically the, the, the process by, say, the, by which they say Mekodesh. And we'll see this a little bit clear, clearer now in the Gemara. The Gemara says, how do we know this? Meaning, how do we know this whole din of saying the Kodesh? How do, maybe they just accept the witnesses and now it is with Kodesh. How do we know that there's a, this proactive declaration? So the Gemara says, what does the Pasuk say? Moshe spoke the festivals. So what does that mean he spoke the festivals? What's the So it's a drashim. Kodesh. Is that he should declare when the Yom Tovim will be? So Pashup Shad is because Rosh Chodesh can also be a festival to Hashem, or you could say because it's going to be based upon Rosh Chodesh when the festivals will be. But either way, by Daber Moshe as Maya Hashem, the Dibur from Moshe is a din, a new din, a din nice to say Mekudesh. Everybody responds Mekudesh Mekudesh. We know that we know Amar Papa Amar Kra Ashetikru Osam. These are right. He said that these are the holidays of Hashem that you should call them Mikray Kodesh. Instead of saying Osam, we read it with the same letters but different vowels. Vowels, karibe atem. You, plural, the people should be reading it. So atem, asher atem, that you should call it. So Moshe is vaidaber, asher atem, that the people should respond, mekodesh, mekodesh. 
Says the Gemara in other words, we're not going to use Gemara. Elaheim Moadai. So we have Haim as an extra word. So we say it's saying Haim Yomer Moadai. The people should say it's my festival. So this is the idea again of the people saying Makodesh Makodesh. Frank the Gemara, why do we have to say plural Makodesh Makodesh Trezimla? Why don't you just say they should just respond Makodesh? In other words, they should affirm that it is sanctified. Why do they say Makodesh Makodesh? So the Gemara says, Declarations of holiness. So in other words, we see that it's plural. So there's two declarations. They respond with Mekudosh and Mekudosh again. Then we got the Machlok as a blazer of Salakam Rabbi Lunar in Mekatra. So our Mishnah was saying the Tanakhama held whether it's day 30 or day 31, you say Mekudosh. Rabbi Lazar Rabbi Salak said, no, only on day 30 you do Mekudosh, on day 31 you not. Tanya, Plimomar, Bismano, in Mekatra. So Mamish the opposite, a third opinion. If it's in the right time, if it's day 30, there is no, there is no Mekudosh. Shalom, Bismano, if it's day 31, then Mekatra. So then you do do it. What in the world is, 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 is the Pshat? It's a very interesting thing. So Rashi explains a, a, a Svara that w- the, the, the Kiddush is meant to support the decision of the basins. If it's at the right time on day 30, so, so you, it doesn't need the support. It's the right time. So there's no Kiddush. But if they do it not at the right time, so then you need a Chizuk to basins decision to be Mekadosh day 31. And that's the Mekadosh. Mamash, a third opinion, just the opposite. Day 31, you do say Mekadosh. Day 30, you do not. And then we get a fourth opinion. So you know something? There's never a Mekadosh declaration. There's no such thing. Now, of course, there's acceptance of the witnesses and the system and the mitzvah of Achilah Again, he only means that there's no din nosaf to say Makodesh. Where does he get this from? The Torah says that Basin is given the mitzvah to sanctify the year 50. This is in the context of the mitzvah of Kiddush Basin of Yovel. Yovel is Makadish. Basin is Makadish, the 50th year is Yovel. So we learn a drasha. Hopefully, we remember this back from. That there's a drasha only to sanctify years, but you don't have to sanctify months. So he has a new din that the Torah excludes months from the sanctity. You don't have to be mekadesh the chodesh. You just have to accept the witnesses, and then it becomes rosh chodesh. So according to him, basin when it comes to the month is never mekadesh. So just to summarize, we had four opinions: either on both day thirty and day thirty-one you are mekadesh, or you're only mekadesh on day thirty, not day thirty-one. because. Or the third opinion, Plimo says, on day 30, you're not Mekadashi because it doesn't require support. On day 31, you are Mekadashi because it requires support. And the last opinion here is that, um, what's the Reb Lazar Reb Shimon? Is that you're never Mekadashi because there's exerts a cause of that you're only Mekadashi Yovel. How do we pass? That if it's not seen at the right time, you are Mekadashi on day 30, but not day 31. We see like in the mission as well. saw the new moon. Everybody says it on day thirty. The witnesses were interrogated. We even we even spoke we even spoke with them on day thirty. But Basin didn't get a time at the time to say the word Makudish and it was already dark. So the sun set on them on day thirty before they had the chance to formally say Makudish. What's the halacha? The month now is full, meaning they failed to make the proclamation on day thirty. So day thirty is now part of the previous month. So therefore, we want to make a diak. Me'ubar in. It only sounds like it's full, meaning that day 30 is part of the previous month. Me'kudosh lo. It doesn't say it's sanctified in the next day. Meaning, why did the Mishnah should say something else? The Mishnah should say, Me'kudosh lamachar. It should say they have to sanctify tomorrow. Why did it use a language that just said, it, it, like a more powerful language of saying it is me'ubar? Because taka the next day, there is no din to be Mekadashit. Now it's just automatically Rosh Chodesh on day 31. 
Says the Gemara is not necessarily proof. It was good. The language that, that it's a full month was actually very bedakwa. You may have thought to say, once everybody saw it on day 30, if our it's already publicized that the moon was seen in the right time, it's not right to extend it. Kamash Malana therefore says it's extended to say that it's clear that day 31 should be Rosh Chodesh, not the 30th. Because if it would have just said, we are Mekadesh tomorrow, you know what? Somebody could have made the mistake and said that you sanctify tomorrow, you, make, you sanctify that yesterday was Rosh Chodesh. And, there, and the justification to do that is. It's because everybody saw it yesterday. We were there. We just didn't have the time to say Mekodesh. So if it would have just said they are Mekodesh tomorrow, somebody would have made the mistake and said they, they are sanct- tomorrow. They are sanctifying day 30. So in order to preclude that possibility of someone making that mistake, so the Tana is very clear. It is, a, it is a month which is full, meaning day 30 is going to be part of the outgoing month and only day 31 will be Rosh Kodesh. So bottom line is, we have uh, not necessarily correct, made, made a proof one way or the other in terms of how we paskin, but it seems that the Gemara is paskining that we are Makadish day uh, 30 and not day 31. What did they do when it, when it was cloudy both days? It's an amazing question. This is all part of the confusion. Very unclear. It definitely is a fact that it will be Rosh Hashanah on day 31, but I think in that case, they just, it was an onus. They weren't able to, to, do, to do it al Alpiria. It would definitely be thing 31 would be Rosh Chodesh. It would definitely be Malay. Uh-huh. But uh, in that case, we weren't able to accept witnesses. We weren't able to do the mitzvah. It's no different if you weren't able, you know, Ones. That's what it would seem like. So, the Mishnah moves to Rosh Lavada, Gamliel. had different shapes of moons. He had different forms that he used to keep in his court. Batavla, some of them were engraved on a tablet. Also, some of them were, were stuck on the wall of his upper chamber. What, would he, what was he doing with these forms? He would show them to the simple people coming in. All his witnesses coming in. Right, so this, you know what it is? Is that the Mishnah gave us a lot of signs. North, south. I don't know about you. I definitely got a little dizzy. So Gamliel, what he would just do is show you a form. And he would say, it looked like this, it looked like this, it looked like this. He made it easier for the witnesses. Did you see it like this or you do it like that? Like let's say yesterday we had, was it facing away from the, from, the, from the sun or facing towards the sun? He would have a picture of a moon, you know, away from the sun and one facing the sun. He would say, like this. And that way he would check whether or not they were telling the truth. So the Gemara says, very interesting question, Umishari. This is a fascinating little sugi here. Is it mutter to make the shape of a moon? The Pasuk says, You shouldn't make with me. So Pasuk Chad in the Pasuk, this is a Pasuk here, You shouldn't make with me different gods of gold and silver, right? You're not allowed to make Avodazar. That's the Pasuk Chad in the Pasuk. Et means with me, but we make a different drasha. That you know what it's saying. Lo sasun kedemushamashai. This is based upon Allah Moshe Misinai that we darshan. You cannot make images of all of my servants who serve with me up high, who serves with Hashem up high. So presumably it means the sun and the moon. So it's, it's already saying that you're not allowed to make an image of the sun or the moon. So how's Rambam doing it? Rabbi, no, that's not the pshat. Torah only asked making images that you could really replicate. Meaning, you can't replicate the moon. You know how big the moon is? You, know, like you can't get every crevice, right? You can make it a form, oh, it looks like the moon. That's not really what the moon looks like. When the Torah is asking to make things that, 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 that are mishamish with HaKadosh Baruch, it only means things that you can really replicate. And what is that? Things that stand with Hashem, meaning like the Beis HaMikdash. And that's something that's with Hashem. The presence is always with the Shekhinah. And where do we see this? Because the time, like it says in a bride, so, a person shouldn't make a house that's perfectly in the form of the way the Heichel worked. Achsaj, or a big pavilion, Tavnus Ulam, that's perfectly in the way that the Ulam looked. Chatzar Kenagadazar, or a courtyard that looks exactly like the, uh, the, the Chatzar in the Beis HaMikdash Shulchan, Kenagadazar Shulchan, a table that corresponds exactly to the way the Beis HaMikdash Shulchan looked. Menorah Kenagadazar, However, you can make a menorah that's got five, six, or eight lamps. Meaning, as long as you're not you're changing the number 
uh, of the branches here, it looks a little bit different, then it's not perfectly replicating the seven lamp menorah of the base of Mikdash, then it's okay. You have to be very careful that you don't make a menorah that has, that has seven lamps, not to look exactly right. Even if it's made of other metal. Meaning, why is that a novelty? Because the menorah and the base of Mikdash was made of gold. So you could say, I'm not replicating, it's not gold. But the halacha is, since we learn from a puzzle, not such a well-known thing, but the Gemara Menachos learns up that the menorah is valid even from other materials besides gold. Any metal is kosher. So therefore, you're not allowed to make it from any metal because it would be a replica of a valid menorah if it was seven branches made of any metal. Even a wood one you can't make. Wow, that's a big chiddush. According to him, even a wood material is good. And this based upon the Gemara Menachos has drashos, whether or not you call part of Klau is only metal or Reboi Mio Mio, it says even wood. And he supports himself. He says, look at this. This is what the Beis Chashmonam did. After they beat the Greeks and they needed a menorah, so it seems that the menorah was destroyed or the tame or whatever it was, they needed a menorah. So they made a menorah of wood. So it's a raya he's bringing from the original wood, a menorah of the Chashmonam. That wood is an acceptable material. So therefore you would be over on the Isra of replicating the menorah with seven branches even if the material was made of wood. So Amrullah, the Cham says, Rabbi Yisra, Mishra you think you got it right from the Chashmonam that the menorah can be made of wood, you, you, don't, you don't know your facts. Actually, the case of the Chashmonam, it was made of different iron spits. They plated it with some sort of aluminum. And they got wealthier, they made it of silver. They got even wealthier. They fixed it and they made it of gold. So meaning it was always a metal. You're inaccurate to say that it was ever made of wood. Bottom line is, is that we're saying that the Isra of Lasas and Eti, not to make things that are with God, is not talking about making the sun. And the reason why we're emphasizing that is because you can't really make something that is an exact replica of the sun or the moon. The Torah is only answering making the exact form of either the base of Mikdash, the way it looked, or the Kalim that were in the base of Mikdash, that is the Isra. And that's the way the Gemara is defending Rabbi Gamaliel's practice to have the different forms of the moon uh, with him. Challenges the Gemara. It's totally not true. Is it true that you're allowed to make an image of a servant that's impossible to replicate? But Tanya says in another bride, so Los Asun Iti, don't make with me. We're looking at the same Pasuk. Los Asun. It says you shouldn't make images of my servants who serve before me up high. So it seems really clear that the moon is included in that. So how can Rabbi Gamliel make images of the moon? So it's not talking about the, the, the sun and the moon. It's actually talking about making a demos, making a form, the image of the four-faced creature. Now, what is the four-faced creature? These are the Chayas HaKodesh, Yecheskel, right? The Yecheskel Parakalif, Shavuos, Morning Haftarah. What do we have? We have the, the, these, these creatures that have four faces, a human, a lion, an ox, and the Nesher. And when the bride is saying, don't make an image, it's talking about making an image of the four-faced thing. Now, let's just clarify. Why would a dafka be that and not the sun and the moon? They're both mashamish up in heaven. What's the difference? The terrence is, is that the Gemara and Chagika tells us that there are seven layers of heaven. And the sun and the moon are relatively low. The sun and the moon are in the second level. So therefore, that's why we're going to be defending that it's not, when it says low, that not to make an image of those who are mashamish lefanai bamarom, Ba'amarum means up high. Maybe it's only referring to the Chayas HaKodesh, which are in the higher levels of heaven. But the sun and the moon, which are in the lower levels, the Gemara is defending that it's not included. If you're talking specifically about the four-faced creature, parts of Adam Luchudet Tishri, so it should come out that if you want to make an image, you want to make a mold, a sculpture of a person, that should be allowed. Alamatanya, but look at the bright side. Call up You're allowed to make any faces of any animal. Let's say you want to make a lion face, you know, nice water fountain with a lion face. That's much to do. Chutz, me parts of Adam. You're not allowed to make the face of a person. That is Asr. 
Now, there's all machlokas if it means only the face, does it, or is it also only if it includes the whole body? All discussion. But either way, it's also to make a, a person's face. So we're saying, what's pshat? If it's only the four face chaya, so it should be mutter to make the person. So the Gemara answer is, I heard from a bias here that I'll explain to you why it's also to make a human face by itself. Don't make with me. Don't make me. Meaning another drasha. Instead of reading it et, what's with me? Read it osi. Don't make something that looks like me. And we know it's selam elokim. It's an interesting thing because Hakadosh Baruch Hu, obviously there's no physicality, but to make a human form, right? This is the idea that Hakadosh Baruch Hu either the pshat is selam elokim, but it's not necessarily so selam elokim. Most rishonim hold selam elokim doesn't mean that we look like God at all. That's not what selam elokim means. But it means that Akalish Baruch Hu used to represent himself sometimes to the Nevi'im with the form of a human, which is a tremendous chiddush. If you look in the Nevi'im, maybe you'll see it. But the idea is that, uh, so there's a new Isra, don't make the thing that God appear, makes himself look like, don't make the face of a human being. So you might be bothered by Akasha once it's Asr. So by the way, how do we make all these drashas? Because it's all really Halach Moshe Messina. So we're saying there's three dinim. You're not allowed to make things that look like the face of Mekdash. You're not allowed to make the four-faced creature, and you're not allowed to make the face of the human face. But to make the image of the sun and the moon is not Asr. Ah, let me ask you Kasha. If it's also to make the face of the person, so Vada, you're also, also to make a four-faced thing because one of the four faces is a human. So if it's also to make the human face, so how, here, every, every time you're going to be over on that din, you're already over on the din of making a human face. Tarot says, what if someone had a, one, had, a, had a sculpture of a human face and you want to come now and add three more faces, right? The, 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 the lion, the ox, and the, and the nesha. You'd be over on the din of La Sassuniti. Okay. Zakti Gemara, but we're still defending that it's mother to make the form of the moon. Frakti Gemara, Shasha Mashmi Shari, isn't mother to make other servants besides the four faced creature. Vatanya says in the rise of Lozasuniti, don't make with me. Don't make the images of my servants who serve before me on high. So this Brysa is saying more than just the four faces together. Clearly, we're including all sorts of angels. So once we see it's more inclusive, so maybe it should include the moon as well. So the Gemara says, no, I'm Rabbi, the lost of the Torah, Mother Elion. It's only talking about the one that's on the highest level. Again, and the seven, the seven Rikiyas, the highest one has this Rav HaMad HaKadosh. So yes, you're right. It's more expansive than we thought before. It includes other types of creatures, not just the four-faced one. We can see that. But you don't necessarily have the right to assume that the sun and the moon are included in the Isra because they're lower down in the heaven. Frag the Gemara. The Gemara is very persistent here. Is it really true that you're allowed to make the images of the ones in the lower abode? It says, don't make for yourself. This is from the Aserah Satibras. Don't make from yourself um, any image, which is in the heaven. So what does that mean? You're not allowed to make the sun, moon, stars, or constellations. Mima'a, which are above the Rabbis, you're not allowed to make images of the angels. So the Brisa says that you're not allowed to make idols which are a picture of something up in the heaven, you're not allowed to make this the picture of the moon. Very clear, you're not allowed to. Mom is black and white. So the Gemara says, no, kitani yila avdam. The bride says not ossering, making it stam. The bride says ossering, making an idol to serve, right? What, is the, what does it mean in Naseris Adibros? Not to make idols. Stam, not to make an image? No. That's saying don't make it and serve it, right? The purpose is to, to be an idol. Over here, other Regomlil is not doing that. Regomlil is just having the form of the moon so that people can do it. Now, we know there's another Isser not to replicate the forms of things that serve in front of God, even when you're not going to serve it. But again, that's only the things that are very high. That's the Beis Amikdash. That's the 
all the celestial, the creatures, the four-faced thing, the person, but to make the form of the sun or the moon when it's not for it to be an idol, that's 100% mutter. Fracti Gemara, is that true? Ela of them, if the, if the Isra here is to make it to serve it, then why are you specifying something that's in the heaven? If you're going to make an, an idol to worship, it's also even the smallest worm. Meaning, if you're Bishlam of we're right and the Torah is Asaring, making the image of the sun and the moon, even when you're not going to serve, that's why it's saying specifically, Asher Bashavai Mimal. But if it's saying, don't make it to serve it, then you can't make any idol. You're right. The Isra that we're talking about would include the small worm. The Tanya, what's the next word in the Pasuk? So, to make the image of any of those things, to include the small worm. So, we're coming out that the Isra that's in the Aserah Satibrus of not making the idol, not making the sun and the moon is only talking about when you're making it to serve it. That has nothing to do with our conversation with Klau. The other din of Stam, the Isra, to make the forms, even when it's not being made to, 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 to worship, of not making an image of something that's with God. That new din that we're saying does not apply to the sun and the moon because it's not high enough. It's not really with God. It's also to make the exact replica of the base of Mikdash. It's also to make the four-faced creature and any of the malachim, so on and so forth. It's also to make a human human face, but to make the image of the moon unto itself without the intent to serve, the Gemara's defending is not also. But finally, we get stuck. Finally, that to make Stam an image of the sun of the moon is Motivatani says in the price of you shouldn't make with me, which is the Pasuk that we've been looking at the whole time. But here the price says, don't make an image of the servants who serve who serve in front of me. Kigon, so finally, we got a Brisa that slugs it up. The Brisa says, for sure, there's an Isra of making these images. How can we make the images? Even though it's not an exact replica, even though it's not on the highest level of heaven, even though it's not being made with intent to serve, the Brisa is saying, Losas and Eti does Aser it. So we're totally stuck. So the Gemara answers, I knew you saw it. Johnny, Rabbi Gamliel. The Mark concedes that it's also to make it a form of the moon. Rabbi Gamliel's is different. He didn't make it. He had Goyim make it for him. So the big shy is, what about Amir Lenachi? Not that I do Amir Lenachi. Maybe the guy did it without without Rabbi Gamliel asking it. Zokti Gemara, Rabbi Yehuda There was a case with Rabbi Yehuda. Other people made it for him. Other people made him an image for a ring. He had a, like a signet ring, and the face on the ring was a human face. And they, but he didn't make it. Other people made it for him. Nevertheless, Shmuel told Rabbi Yehuda, "Shinina, you sharp one, Sami Eneder. You have to deface the image because or else it's wrong." Presumably, the Gemara thinks that it's also even to keep an image of the form that, it should, that you shouldn't make. So the same way, it's also even to keep that. Even if other people made him the form of the moon, he can't keep it. So the Gemara says, no, you don't understand. Really, this is only to make it. If other people make it, it's not a problem. But Hasam and Rabbi Yudah's ring, the signet was protruding out. So it was protruding out. It was a raised image. And now the issue was, it was an Isra of arousing suspicion. What was the chashad? In other words, besides for the iser of making it, now there's a chashad that people were going to say was reviewed as idol. So it's usually people are ovid by idols only with protruding images. Like it would protrude as a sculpted thing, like it would, it would stick out. So that's where there's an iser of chashad. So the Gemara is bringing out that there's a new din of chashad. Not that there's a chashad to keep an image you didn't make. You're allowed to keep an image you didn't make. But if it's sticking out, if it's protruding, that's a problem. And the Gemara shows that that's a problem. Because the title, like it says in a price, tabas, if you have a ring with an image, if the signet is protruding, it's also to wear the ring. Why? Because people are going to say it's your idol. Because it's protruding. But it's mutter to stamp a seal with it. Why? Because as long as you don't wear it, people don't think it's your idol. And when you, when you stamp with it, what happens is the image in the wax is depressed. It's not protruding. So you're not making something that would look like an idol. 
if the image on the signet is depressed, it's pushed in. So you're allowed to wear the ring because generally people don't aren't, don't serve things which aren't don't protrude. It's also to stamp a seal with with it because if you stamp a seal with a depressed part, then what's going to happen? It's going to protrude in the wax, right? That's the way it works. So you're creating an image that's protruding. So bottom line is, we see from here, it's not also to have other people make you images down. And that was Rabbi Gamliel had the form of the moon. There's a new din that if there's a protruding image, it's also Mishum Chashada. And the Chashad is that people are going to say that it's an idol. Because Gaim generally used to worship things that protruded. Says, is there really ever a suspicion about such a thing? There was a shul of Shav Vyasav in Arda. That was the name of it. There was a statue of the king in the shul. Everybody They were never nervous for suspicion. So we're saying that even if you know you're not, you don't have you don't have it as an Avodazar, but you can't have even a signet ring with an image on it because people are going to say if it's protruding, it's an idol. So how did they have a shul with an image of the king? So the, if it was protruding, so the Gemara says, Rabbim shiny. People aren't going to be chosh. The tzibur. If it was a whole shul, that's fine. No one's going to be choshed. Oh yeah, the shul does a vodazar. But if it's one person with a private ring, there where there is chashad. Now we get back. Rebbe Gamliel was a yachid. So what do we mean to say? Granted, Rebbe Gamliel didn't make the forms of the moon. So if he didn't make the forms of the moon, so now we can understand that he wasn't over on the Isra Losas and Iti. But now that we invoke the new Isra of chashad, why was there no chashad in Rebbe Gamliel? Now, there's a big problem with the Gemara, because who said his images were protruding? Again, as we saw clearly with the ring, the only problem is when the images protrude. So maybe he just had pictures. Maybe he had depressed pictures on, on, on a piece of paper. But who, you know, he, he printed it out from the printer. But who said it was, it was a protruding sculpted image of the moon? So a lot of Rishonim say, after the Gemara just knew that it was. It was like that. So the Gemara is therefore asking, beside from the Isser of Losas and Iti, even if other people made it, but there should be the problem of Chashad. So the Gemara answers, Kivin the Nasi. He was the Nasi. Everyone was always around him. So therefore, it was as if the images were in the public domain where we say there's no chashad. The same way there's no chashad in the shul, there's no chashad or gamliel. Again, that doesn't mean he's allowed to make the form. There's two dinim. You're not allowed to make it because of this osas and iti. That we're still relying on the answer that other people made it. But al chashad, we're answering there's no chashad because it was considered a public domain. Ibai Seima, another answer to Prakamaya. The image of the moon was made of different sections. What do we mean it was made of different sections? Yes, it was like a Lego, right? You have to assemble it. So and it was only assembled during the duration while he was examining the witnesses. But all other times it was kept unassembled. So therefore, there was no chashad. Now let me ask you a shayla. Does that also take care of the problem of losas and iti? Is there, remember, there's two discussions. How do you make the form of the moon? Question one. And number two, why is there no chashad? People are saying it's an idol. So the Gemara originally was answering the Isser of Losas and Iti. Other people made it for him. The Gemara was asking, what about chashad? So the Gemara was saying before that it was public. Now the Gemara is saying, Yibay Shema was made of sections. Is the Gemara answering both issues or only the issue of chashad? Obviously, you wouldn't disassemble your idol. But the issue of Losas and Iti, are you over if it's, a, if it's just a temporary assembly? Are you allowed to have a Lego of the moon? Fascinating Shiloh. Can you have a Lego moon? Tell me how you learn Shiloh the Gemara. Another answer, and this is for sure going back how he was allowed to make it. Listen to this. He really, very Gamliel, made the moon. Eyes and Israel, Asas, and Iti. He was making it for the purpose of study. Stam to make it, to stam for whatever reason you want to draw is also, even if you're not planning on serving it. But if you're doing it for the purpose of Torah, to study it up, like here, to be, to me, that's fine. You shouldn't learn to do like the Gaim. So there it's also to make the faces of the stars like them. To understand the nature and, and the laws. To know what's going to be with a false witness, this and that, that's totally mutter. So the Gemara is suggesting that was the Hatter for Gamliel. At the end of the day, the Gemara is coming up with the Hatter even for him. 
to make the moons itself because he was doing it not for the intent of being like the guy, but rather for the intent of uh, checking the witnesses. Wow.